This week's parsha is Parshas Vayechi. In Parshas Vayechi, we find the brachas that Yaakov gives to his sons, to the Shvatim, and each bracha, each child gets a very unique, custom-tailored bracha. It's not a one-size-fits-all that all of you should be uh, big tzaddikim. Every child got a, uh, a very, very specific bracha that really understands who they are, what they did, and what they will do, and it's, a, uh, it, it's very uh, insightful to be able to go through all of the son's brachas and to understand the shvatim of Klal Yisrael that comprise the, the destiny of the Jewish people. When you see the bracha that Yaakov Avinu gives to Zevulun, the Pasuk says, Zevulun l'chayf yamim yishkain. Zvolon shall settle by seashores. He should live l'chayf yamim. He should live by the seashore. V'hu l'chayf aniyais. And he shall be at the ship's harbor. That's the bracha. And then it goes and speaks about Yisachar. But with Zvolon, it speaks about the fact that he is l'chayf yamim yishkain. He lives by the seashore. And then it says again that he lives at the ship's harbor, which seems to be redundant. Because presumably the seashore and the harbor are sort of the same thing. So Rashi explains that he lives near the port because he has to go out. He's a big businessman, Zvolon. The tribe of Zvolon went and supported Yisachar in their Tyra pursuit. So he was the one that made the money and, and, and fueled the Tyra of Yisachar. And this is what the Pasuk means by Meshur Rabbeinu's bracha, says Rashi, Semach Zvulun Secha, that Zvulun is going to be happy when he goes out. The Yisachar Ba'alecha and Yisachar is going to be happy in his tent, meaning Zvulun is going out on the high seas to do business. And Yisachar sits in his tent to learn Tyra. But the redundancy is not really satisfied because why do, it could have just said that Zevulun lives uh, by the seashore. What does it mean that he lives by the seashore and additionally he lives by the ship's harbor? So if you look at the Dasakanim, I think for those of you that, that are doing statistics, I think this is the third week in a row that we're speaking about a Dasakanim. The Dasakanim says, it's amazing the Pirish of the Dasakanim, by the way, just it's Kedai to always check what he says. So he says like this He says that there are cities that are by the sea. You can live on a waterfront property. Let's say you live in Staten Island, okay? So Staten Island is a pretty big place. So technically, it's by the sea, it's on an island. But you might live inside of Staten Island, let's say in the middle of Staten Island, you might live uh, you know, 20 miles from the beach, from the, from the water. So technically your, your property, your, your area that you live is, is on the waterfront, but you can't say that you live by the harbor. You live on the water because you're on an island, but you're not by the harbor. Let's say where I grew up, I grew up in Long Beach, so my parents' house is literally a stone's throw away from the boardwalk. There's a boardwalk in Long Beach, and then you literally walk, I don't know, maybe uh, 
200, 300 feet, and you're by my house. It's right by, so if I would have a boat, let's say I have a ship, and I could park my ship by, uh, by, by the water by my house, I'd be able to get out of the ship, unpack my stuff, and be home in about three minutes. You could live in Staten Island and, and be close to the dock, but if you're living deep into Staten Island, you're not going to be able to say, you could, you could definitely say that you're L'chaif Yamim, you're on the seashore, but you can't say that you're L'chaif Anias, that you're at the ship's harbor. So the Dasakanim says that the Milo of Zavulon was not only that HaKadosh Baruch Hu situated him by the seashore because he needs to be there, that's where his boat is, that's where his ship is. He would go out and travel the world to sell and to buy and to bring home things and to be Mepharnes himself and, and of course Sheva Yisachar. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu took it a step further. HaKadosh Baruch Hu not only made him live by the sea, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu made him live by the harbor. He is literally right, you get off the boat and you're home. Tremendous hana that Zavon was zeichet to, what we'd call, I guess, in, in, in Lashon of the Gemara, to makariv hanasayu. Sometimes, you know, you give somebody hana, but it's a step away. If I give you money for Shabbos, so then that's very nice of me, but I haven't really fed you. I gave you the money. Now, you have to go to the supermarket. You have to cook. You have to... But let's say I would give you the actual food and I put it in your kitchen. That's makariv hanasayu. That means that I brought the hana right to your door. That's a higher level of, of Hanah. HaKadosh Baruch when it comes to Shevet Zavulon, is Mekarev Hanasayu. He says, not only am I going to put you comfortably by the sea, because you need that, that's, that's your real estate, because your, your destiny is to do commerce, to do trade, and you need to get out, of the, out on the water, so we're not going to put you in a city in the middle of, Yerush- in the middle of Eretz Yisrael, like Yerushalayim, which is pretty far from a sea from a coastline, I'm going to put you right by the coastline, but not only is your real estate going to be waterfront property, but you're going to live by the waterfront. You don't have to travel. All the cities that Zvolen lived in were all clustered by the harbor. Mamash, they got off the boat and they were able to right away be able to be home. And the other way is true also. They were able to they were able to uh, you know, get their goods that they were going to trade they made it, let's say, in their house or, or, or shipped to their house, and they would right away be able to take it from their house, put it on the boat, and then in a minute be able to be already uh, up and running and going out to, the, to, to do their trade in other countries. So when you see a Dasakanim like this, I think the first thing that you should do, that's definitely the first thing that I do, is to ask yourself, okay, that's a nice historical fact that, the Pasuk is telling us uh, two dinim, that he lived by the sea, but he also lived by the harbor. So he's mamish a minute away in terms of his business, in terms of his convenience. But what in the world is that, is that of any importance to us? What's the takeaway for us? What do we learn now about Zavolon that we didn't know before we learned this Dasakanim? Is it just telling us an interesting economic fact that, they are, that their cities were near the waters that was much easier for them to do business? What's the point? What, what's the takeaway? To answer this question, I want to tell you a story. And I think it's going to open up what the Dasakanim means. The story involves... Rav Yitzchak Hutner, the Rashiva of Chaim Berlin, Gain Adir, a tremendous pikeach, 
prized Talmud of the Altaf in Slabotka, a tremendous man. This is a very interesting story. Somebody came to him, a Gevir, a very wealthy Balabayas, came to Rav Hutner and asked him the following question. Baruch Hashem, my daughter became a Kala, and now we have to make a Chasna for her. Now, as you know, I'm a very wealthy man. I'm, I'm doing quite well in business, multimillionaire. What type of Chasna should I make? Should I, we, you know, my wife and I have to sit down and try to, and, and sit with the Mechutanim and try to, you know, figure out which hall to make it in, what type of band should we hire, what type of singer, what type of uh, shmork should it be, do we have a bar, do we not have a bar? Tell me what the Dastar is, what should I do? Should I make a big fancy chasna in, uh, you know, in, in the New York Hilton and, you know, for a million dollars and the flowers and the, 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 the liquor and, the, and get a band of, you know, 30 people and it? Or should I do like a takana chasna? Should I just make a very simple chasna, make it in a very, uh, you know, a nice chasna, but very simple, get like a, a, a few-piece band or maybe even a one-man band and have a very, you know, serve sponge cake for the... For the uh, by the by the smorg and, and and serve a, give people a piece of uh, kugel and and uh, chicken for for the main and call it a night, or should I make it fancy? I could afford whatever I want, but what should I do? That was the question that was posed to Rav Huntner. So, I think we probably all think that we know what he told them. Of course, you say the takana wedding. You say, you know, make it make it, take it easy. Simple, nice, easy. Don't, don't, you know, don't, uh, don't break the bank on it. So Rav Huttner said, and you probably figured if I'm telling a story, Mislama, there's a, you know, there's a chiddush involved, and there is a very big chiddush. Rav Huttner said that what you should do is you should make a fancy chasna. That was it, and the guy walked away. He was happy going to start booking all of the, you know, the big singers and the big castle, the big band. So the Talmidim, after this was over, the Talmidim went and they asked Rav Hutner, my high, like what's, you know, what, how is that, like the answer that was, that was not the expected answer. What did, what's the kavan of the Rashiva? We're, we're, we're told always to, to be mistapik b'mua, to make simple chasnas and to not you know, not poke anyone's eyes out, not to make a not to make a big deal about things and to live, you know, simply. And now you're telling people to make, you know, he said, I'm not telling people. I'm telling him. He's a Gavir, he's a very wealthy man, and the quote was as follows. The quote was that when if he's tight with himself Meaning, if he's if he's cheap, tight is a is a means like if he's frugal, if he's cheap with his, with himself, he's going to be tight with others as well. What does that mean? What he means is as follows: Sometimes you have people that live very simply, even though they could live very very glamorously, they could live very high, they could live large, but they choose to live very 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 simply. Now, that's a good thing in and of itself, but the ramifications of living simply when you could live larger is that it sort of gives you a very big excuse to be 
stingy when it comes to others as well. Because after all, you, you're holding people uh, to, your own, to your own accounting. So you think to yourself, the psychology is, why would I want to, why would I be expected to give you know, generously to other people? Even to myself, I don't give generously. So you're asking me for a big nidava. You want me to build a big fancy uh, uh, base madrash for, some, for yeshiva. I don't live fancy. Well, I should have, a, should have a big, nice, beautiful central air conditioning. I don't have central air conditioning. I don't have, a, you know, I don't have a marble floors in my kitchen. I don't have a, a nice, uh, you know, a, you know why, why? Yeshiva has to have a big, fancy merpeset. I don't have a merpeset. I don't have a nice porch or a patio. I live very simply. When a person sometimes can afford to have, uh, to live very large, but instead he decides to, uh, to not, it has a danger involved. On one end, of course, it's very good. It's important to live, you know, very, you know, practically and simply and not live large. It's, that's not the takeaway, to live large. The takeaway is that sometimes to live more frugally than you have to, to be very, very, to be a Compton, to be cheapskate, when you could afford more, sometimes it hurts in terms of the, the ability to give tzedakah. And to support other people because you're always saying, well, you know, I don't, I don't live well myself. I'm not really inclined to give to others. That's the psychology. So Rav Hotnu is basically um, advising this person, make a big chasna. Why? Because if you make a big chasna now, at least you have a hasaga of giving big. You have a saga of giving generously. If you give generously to yourself, now you can give generously to others as well. But if you're cheap with yourself, then you're going to not be able, you're not going to be willing to do that for others. Based on this story, I think we can understand the Dasakanim. Because the Dasakanim is basically saying that HaKadosh Baruch Hu was Mekarev HaNasaya. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave the Hanah, he brought the Hanah to Zavolan's door. He didn't say to Zvolen, okay, you're going to get off your boat and now you're going to have to, you know, schlep your stuff 20 miles uh, in. But you're, you're close enough, but now you have to schlep. What, happened? what would Zvolen's mentality be if that was the case? If Zvolen has to get off his boat, park his ship, now start schlepping off all of his goods, all of his money, all of the stuff that he needs, to, the food and whatever, both directions. So the psychology, look, I have to schlep got off the boat, now I have to have donkeys and mules and, uh, you know, and uh, Ubers and whatever, and I've got to schlep and then un- undock and unload and bring it to another place. And now I have to support Yisachar. Okay, fine, I'll support Yisachar, but Yisachar doesn't have it better than me. If Yisachar wants his money, let him come to me and get it. If Yisachar wants food, let him come, you know, I'll give him a voucher, let him go to the supermarket, let him do it. But I don't, I don't live easily. Things aren't so easy for me. My parnasa is, is with difficulty. It's bakaishi. So if it's difficult for me, so I'm not going to necessarily be inclined to make it easier for Yisachar. I'll give Yisachar. I have to. Fine. That's the deal that we got. But Yisachar has to understand. Like, I have to schlep. You have to schlep. But now that HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to Zvulun, that Zvulun l'chayf yamim yishkain, was not only are you going to be near the sea, you're going to be on the sea. Your mom is going to not have to do anything. You're going to live large. You're going to be very comfortable. You're going to be able to 
do your business with the utmost ease and convenience, now that Zavolon gets that, and he understands that what it's like to be, to live in a comfortable manner, to live large, to not live tight, to be able to have that Hanah brought to his front door, that's exactly the way he will now present to Yisachar what Yisachar needs in order to be supported in Tyro. Listen to a, a medrash, Vayikar Rabbah Perachafei, talking about, about Zavolon and his relationship with Yisachar. Ayidei shahaya Zavolon mefaresh miyishov, because Zavolon was, he went out from the Yishuv, he went out from the, the, uh, the land, and he went to the seas, and he made his parnasa, he was engaged in commerce and business, Says Chazal, you know what he did, Zavolan? Zavolan didn't just say to Yisachar, right, I'm back, you know, you can make an appointment with my secretary, come and pick up your check, you know, uh, you know Monday at 3 o'clock. He would go and he would personally deliver to Yisachar the food. Not only to his front door, he didn't like drop it off like, uh, you know, Meals on Wheels. He would actually be nice and letaych piv shal Yisachar. Chazal say that he actually put physically the food in the mouth of Yisachar. I don't know if it means literally or it's figuratively, but the point is that he actually spoon-fed Yisachar the food. Yisachar was sitting by his Gemara all day. He was learning al ha al he was being amel v'yageya b'atayra. He needed to food, he needed to eat, he needed to be, to be supported. Zavolon supported him, but Zavolon didn't just stam support him. Zavolon was motivated to be mekariv hanasayu, to give him hana to his mouth. Mamish feeding it to him, bringing it to him. He didn't say pick it up or go fetch it yourself. He gave it with the ultimate terecheret, so the covet of Taira, and he gave it into the mouth of Yisachar. He fed him. Where did he get inspiration to do this? How was he inspired to go and be Mepharnesim in such a way, with such fineness, with such sensitivity, not to embarrass Yisachar to make him go and schlep food from but to go and give it to him in his tent when he needed it. It's because I believe of this Dasakanim. This Dasakanim is teaching us the inspiration, the motivation. Like Rafutner says, if you're tight with yourself, you're going to be tight with others. If you get Hana, if you're able to mamish live an easy life, and you see HaKadosh Baruch Hu perfectly arranged, that you should be situated on this piece of real estate, three minutes away from the dock, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Mekarev HaNasai, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave you the Hana straight into your mouth. Zavolon took note of that, and Zavolon says, well, if I'm having it, so easy. V'akadosh Baruch Hu is being makar v'anasayu to me personally. I'm going to do that to Yisachar. I realize that there is a relationship between me and Yisachar. V'akadosh Baruch Hu is allowing me to get parnasa in such a way. He's being makar He's bringing near the hana so conveniently. That means that I'm going to do that to others as well. If he wouldn't have had that, he probably wouldn't have done that. If he would have had to schlep and this and that, and listen, I have to schlep all day, I'm busy, and this guy has to sit in the, you know, he gets to sit in the base medrash all day in air conditioning, and I have to go work, you know, work like a dog and schlep through the streets of, uh, of Haifa, my stuff, or whatever, that, that's not, you know, I'm not doing that. 
and let him, if he wants to get it, okay, fine, I'll give it to him, but like, you know, let him schlep it. Why do I have to schlep? I have to schlep and he, he should have it easy. HaKadosh Baruch Hu understands that psychology. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu made him not have to schlep. Everything is convenient. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Makar Asayu, and therefore in return, Zvulun, when he's supporting Yisachar, he does it with such sensitivity, with such a, a, a measure of hiskarvus hanasaya v'noisein l'seich piv shal yisachar. Just to round it out a little bit, let's talk for a minute about yisachar now. Yisachar is the next bracha. Yisachar chamar garem. Yisachar is a strong-boned donkey. Doesn't seem to be such a flattering expression. You have to see the mafarshim. Vayar menucha kitayv. Yaakov Avinu says to Yisachar that he saw tranquility, that it was good. Vyesha'aretz kinaima, and the land that it was pleasant. He lived in a very good piece of real estate also, Yisachar, with nice fields and nice orchards, nice gardens. Vayet shich he bent, yet he bent his shoulder to bear and he became an indentured laborer. What is this Pasuk talking about? It's such a riddle, this Pasuk. It says, let's go over the Pasuk outside. He saw tranquility, that it was good. He saw menucha, that it was geshmak. So it was good. And he saw the land, that it was beautiful. It's very, very enjoyable. It's pleasant. So what should the Pasuk have concluded about Yisachar? He saw Menucha was good, he saw the land was Geshmak, so therefore he retired and he got a lounge chair, he built himself a swimming pool, he got some pina coladas and he, he sat poolside and he smoked a cigar by the pool. Isn't that where the Pasuk is going? He saw Menucha was good, he saw the land was Geshmak. So what he did was he bent down his shoulder like a mule to accept its, like a strong donkey, to accept its load, and he became an indentured laborer. What's going on in the Pasuk? So the Chazinish says the following. Chazinish says a gorgeous pshat, and I've said it many times. He says... And I'm going to add a little bit before I tell you exactly what he says, but just to, just to you know, make it a little clearer. We think sometimes that when we see Tamid Chachamim, we see Reb Chaim Kanievsky, let's say, a Yid that sits sitting and learning Yigiya, Haravanya, he doesn't want anything else in life. He's not interested in fancy things. He has no interest in... Or Yibadul Chaim, Rav Steinemann. Steinemann is a Yid that mamish, he had no Eilam Hazai. If you go to anyone that was in his apartment, I think you could still go there today, just as uh, I was there when he was alive, and you go into his apartment, the walls are chipping. They, there wasn't a paint job in this apartment since before the Medina was founded in 1948, Literally. The, the furniture was broken. The, the, there was, you know, the, the furniture was from 1905. You know, it, uh, it was literally nothing, no interior decoration was done in this apartment for 50, 60, 80 years. Nothing. He, lived, he sat on a chair on a bed with a, like a stool in his back, and that's how he was learning. He had zero, zero gashmias, zero. 
he didn't eat anything. He for forty years, um, you know, I think he was just on pills like vitamins. He didn't. He, he had not know on Shabbos. Maybe had a little a little chicken or whatever, just to be ate whatever he needed. He didn't want anything. He literally lived with such symptom. He had no interest. Reb Chaim lives a little better. Reb Chaim, you know, eats, I think, and drinks pretty, you know, normally. But also, he's no way. He wants to sit and learn. He wants to sit and learn. That's all he wants to do. Unfortunately, Klal Yisrael, you know, beckons, so he has to, you know, have these hours every day that people come in. He says bua to them, and, uh, you know, he's got to go. They schlep him to this function and that uh, political uh, uh, convention and this uh, meeting and, and vaccination things. He doesn't want to do anything. He doesn't need the limelight. He, just, he doesn't want the limelight. He just wants to sit and learn. That's all he wants. And then there, you know, you don't have to be that. Let's say the local, you go into a local Kylo and you see guys that are sitting and learning. You go to Lakewood, you see thousands of guys sitting day and night and learning. So we think that there's a big difference between us and them. What's the difference? You see, they don't like Gashmias. They're not interested in Gashmias. They, you know, they like learning. That's where they get their Gashmak from, which is true. They do get a Gashmak in learning, hopefully. But they have no interest in what we have interest in. We like playing ball. We like uh, watching YouTube. We like listening to, to music. We like going to concerts. We like going to, you know, uh, we, we like stuff. We, we like enjoying Ailam Haba. They, they, Ailam Hazard, they don't. So that's the difference between you and uh, me. So they're doing their, what they're doing because they don't need what I need. I need what I need because I understand that it's, it's geschmack. They don't see it as being geschmack. And that's the difference between us. That's the way I think sometimes we think. Rabbis, they don't, you know, they don't need anything. Rabbeim and yeshiva, they're fine. You know, they're just, you know, they just get their whole geschmack. They don't, want to, they don't need gashmias. They don't want gashmias. The honest truth is that it's not true. They're human beings just like we're human beings. They might also, I'm not talking about Reb Chaim and about Reb Steinem, I'm, I'm talking about like, like people that are, you know, Tamid Chachamim, that are sitting, that are steiging, that are learning. They also want to watch YouTube. You think they don't understand that it's Geshmak on a Matzai Shabbos to get, to make a, a you know, a big, uh, a big bowl of uh, microwave popcorn and sit and watch a Geshmak movie? You think that that's, that's something that's like, that's, that's such a waste of time. It's Geshmak. They know it's Geshmak. You think they never want to go down to Florida and, uh, and swim and, and play basketball and have a... They want to have a good time, but they know that it's geschmack. They're not, they're, not, they're not so mufka from Eilam Hazah. They don't realize that, you know, that there's a, a geschmack of life to be had in Eilam Hazah. What's the difference then between us and them? The difference between us and them is very simple. They say to the Rabbi Nishalem, I know that it's geschmack. I know that this is what, you know, what people really enjoy about life, to be able to relax a little bit, to be able to have some ability to, to vacation and to party and to, and to be entertained. I know that's geschmack. But I'm going to take that geschmack of Eilam Hazeh and I'm going to dedicate it and I'm going to donate it and I'm going to... I'm gonna, I'm going to completely give it over to you, Rabbi Nishalom. I'm sacrificing on a Mizbeach so that I'm giving you that and I'm going to break my back and learn Tyra. The Chazanish says that that's the Pshat in this Pasuk. Yisachar sees 
Vayar menucha kitayv. He sees that menucha is good. He understands menucha. He reads the magazines. He sees that, you know, the, the from magazines. He sees that there is a, a Pesach program in uh, Panama and there's that, and the nice blue, you know, waters that you can go into and there's tennis and there's basketball and there's barbecues. He sees that. Not blind, he gets it. Vesaris kinaima, there's a lot of Kishmaka stuff to do. But he says to the Rabbi I'm going to take that menucha. I'm going to take all of that ni'imas of the world and I'm going to give it to you. I don't want it. I want it, but I don't want it. I'd rather give over to you my menucha and, and not take menucha. He, with that understanding that menucha is geshmak, that Elam Haza is geshmak, there is something to it, he bends over his back and he says, load it on. Put the amelos of Tyra on me. I want to be amel batayra. I want amelos batayra. Is it easy for me? No. You think it's easy to sit and, and learn, you know, three star a day in Lakewood? I think I don't know exactly the sidri ayim, but you know, the star go like it, you learn from. I don't know what time it starts. Let's say eight thirty, nine o'clock in the morning. First seder goes maybe till one one thirty. Then you get you lunch. You eat lunch. And then you go from, I don't know, maybe 3 to 8 o'clock at night, second Seder, like a long day. And then you, and there's night Seder from, like, you go eat supper, and then you have night Seder from, I don't know, from 9 to 11. It's like, it's long day. If you think it's hard to learn a couple of hours in, in Lander in the mornings, imagine doing that an entire day, Beritzifus. And not just on a, you know, on a legal holiday, but every single day of the year, from Sunday to Thursday, and then on Shabbos, and then on Matzai Shabbos, the base marriage is full. It's hard. It's not easy. It's strenuous. It's backbreaking. It's laborious. It might be geschmack, but it's still, it's, a, it's an endeavor. It's a real, it's something. It's hard. But Yisachar says to the Rabbi Nishlam, I'm giving all of my menucha. I could. I could do what everyone else is doing, but I want to give you my menucha. I'm dedicating kol chel of Hashem, the geschmack of life, I'm giving up for you. And with that, he bends his shoulder like a strong bone donkey, and he says, put the cargo on my shoulder, put, put the shas, and paiskin, mishnabura, shulchan aruch, musar, machshava, I want it all, just dump it on me, I want it, I'm, I'm ready to take that, that oil, that masa. Vahil and he becomes an indentured laborer. That's the beauty of Yisachar. Yisachar is not a person that, don't think he's so different than Zvulun. Don't think he's much different than anyone. He also understands that it's geschmack, that life has a lot. It's geschmack to live well and to eat well and to sleep well and to, and to go on vacation. He gave it all up. He was Meiser Nefesh. If there's a person in Kailo, they're not doing it because, oh, these guys have... They, it's hard, and it's, in a way, much easier to go to college and to, and to be a doctor, to be a lawyer, to live, to have some sipaka nefesh and to be able to make a lot of money. And to, and to, it's, you don't think that that ever entered their mind as a, as a havamina? Of course it did. But the maskana was, they made a decision that they want to give all of that geschmack of life up in order to learn Tyra. For that, they deserve tremendous covet. Rabbeim and yeshiva, Rabbeim and yeshiva, there are many talented Rabbeim and yeshiva. These Rabbeim could have also just as easily, brilliant minds, they're 
good orators, they're good communicators, that you don't think they could have it crossed their mind that maybe instead of uh, you know, getting paid a very paltry salary and always having to uh, you know, borrow from one gemach to another gemach and have and, you know, with their big families and live very betsimsum, you don't think it ever crossed their mind that maybe I should uh, opt out, I should be an investment banker, I should be a, a doctor, I should be a lawyer, I should be a, you know, uh, an accountant, and never, that's something that's, that was never al al das. It was a fleeting thought, or maybe it was a real thought, or maybe they had been engaged in that for a while, but then they came to some realization, and it's not for everybody, but they decided personally that they want to, in spite of that realization, that knowing that it's difficult to live as a rabbi, and it's, it's a mysterious nefesh mamish sometimes, but they're willing to do that because they want to give over their life to Tyra. They want to learn Tyra. They want to teach Tyra. They want to live ideals of Tyra. They want to convey that to the next star. It's very hard. Somebody told me recently it's very hard today to find talented rabbeim and moras to go into chinuch because it's a you know it's it's very challenging. It's expensive life today. Inflation is through the roof. You know to buy a house is a, is a fortune. So there's a there's a lot of people that are are not going into chinuch. A lot of the talented people that should be going into chinuch and that Klal Yisrael needs, they're not doing it. Why? Because you know they they made this cheshbon and they're not crazy. So when you find somebody that makes the cheshbon and they're and yet they decide that this is what they're going to do. I'm going to take it and I'm going to be my nefesh, not just me, but my wife and my children and my grandchildren. They're all going to be living on a different level of income and a, li- a different level of, uh, of, 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 of menucha because of this decision that I'm giving up my life for Klal Yisrael. Think about that. I'm giving up my life for Tyra. I'm dead. It's a beautiful life. Don't walk away thinking that you know it's a horrible life to be a Rebbe. It's an amazing life. But it doesn't come without a lot of sacrifice. A lot. Talented people, you could be a lawyer, you could be a doctor, you can make millions of dollars today in certain professions, in certain fields, and instead they're making, you know, like a really shvacha salary, and, and they have to come into yeshiva every day happy. You know, I see like the rabbeim in my kids' yeshivas, they... You know, they're making probably, you know, very, very little, but they have to come in and they put a smile on their face. They make geschmack for the kinderloch. That's Mesiris Nefesh. But they're doing it for the Torah. That's Yisachar. Yisachar, Vayar Menucha Kitav. They know that Menucha is geschmack. They don't, they don't, they're not like ascetics that they just, uh, they, you know, they're of Steinemans. They have no interest whatsoever. They have interest in, in, in Gashmias. They, they, they look at the world. They're not blind to the world. They understand that it's nice to make a really Gishmaka salary and it's nice to work in a fancy office and that it's nice to be able to take vacations every couple of months. It's nice to, they understand that. But they make a conscious decision I'm going to do this for Tyra. I'm going to sit and learn. I'm going to teach Tyra. That's Yisachar. The covet that we give to Rabbeim and the covet that we give to Kailal Yungalite and the covet that we give to Rosh Hashivas is because they, 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 they have so many options on the table, but yet they decided to invest in you. And so Yisachar sort of rejects Menucha. He doesn't want Menucha. He wants to struggle. He decides that it's Kedai to struggle because I want to give Menucha over to the Rabbi Shalom, which I think is like a, a very nice uh, bookend to Zavolun. 
because the Vulan is the one that gets Menucha. He lives nicely, he's a Gavir, he's making a lot of money, he's a successful merchant. He lives on the waterfront. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives him that hana to be able to feel good about himself, to be able to not be burdened, that when he comes into the port, when he comes into the harbor, he's home. And it's not lost on him. And then he looks at Yisachar, who doesn't want any support. He doesn't want any menucha. He doesn't want to live that lifestyle. He wants to live simply. Although he understands the beauty of being Zavolan, he's looking at Zavolan just like Zavolan's looking at him. And the grass is always greener. You know, Zavolans are looking at Yisachar, wow, I wish I could, I wish I was, uh, you know, was able to learn all day. Yisachar is looking at Zavolan, wow, sometimes it must be nice to be able to make a nice parnasa and to have, to live baravchas, not to be dependent on other people. But together, Yisachar and Zavolan are supposed to have this eternal shutfus. And just like Zavolan gets the benefits of living in, with relative ease, he looks at Yisachar with his sacrificing of that ease and he goes and he supports him. Not just supports him, but gives it to him he puts it in his mouth because he realizes that Yisachar, unless I spoon feed it to Yisachar, he's not even going to eat. He wants so little from life that I have to be there for him. I have to provide for him in the way that's the most bakavadik away, that he's not embarrassed, he doesn't have to schlep because, because leaving it to his own, his own devices, he won't even go out of his tent. He just wants to sit and learn because that's what he dedicated to Hashem. That's the relationship between Zavol and Yisachar. I say we have to decide in our life who we are. And it's a good choice. It's a win-win. It's, this is not, I'm not giving an ad for Yisachar more than Zavolan or for Zavolan more, more than Yisachar. It depends on the person, on the individual. And you get tremendous char either way. But if you're a Zavolan, you have to be a real Zavolan. Which means you have to go make parnasal l'shem shamayim and dedicate a lot of your time and your resources to be able to be mefarnes taira to give to yeshivas to give to shuls to give to kailim to give to beis yakos to anything that's needed. You have to go and give it your all with all of your generosity and all of your spirit, recognizing how good Hakadosh Baruch Hu is to you and wanting to share that with others. If you're yisachar. You have to be a full Yisachar. You have to give your all. You have to be Meiser Nefesh. Give up the Menucha in order to, to, have, to have that ability to sit and to be happy Ba'alecha in your tent, but to really be happy. But you have to be one or the other. You have to decide in life what you are. Because a lot of us, like, we end up being not Zavolin and not Yisachar. We're not, like, learning enough to, to you know, or, or in that posture of Yisachar to be in the, in the camp of Yisachar so we opted for the Zvolun and, and, we're, and we're not even good Zvolans, we're not giving what we should of our time, of our resources, of our, of our heart of our, of our sensitivities of our generosity to the, to, the, to the Yisachar and in life we have to make decisions, whatever the decision is that we make, whether it's to be Yisachar to be a Zvolun, it's fine and they get equal schar and ayla if you, you have to see the tshuva and remesha about this, but let's say if you're doing a classic Yisachar Zvolan deal, which people do, I know somebody personally, two Talmidim of mine, one is a, a Yisachar, a tremendous Yisachar, and one's a tremendous Zvolan, and they made a deal, I think every year they, they sign a new contract, 
but he gives literally half of his income, I believe, too, to the Yisachar, and the Yisachar gives half of his tire to him. That's a real classic Yisachar. But it doesn't have to be that. If you want to get give less but get and get a little less in terms of schar, that works also. But whatever it is, you have to try, we have to try to dedicate our zvulun to being that prototypical zvulun that's happy going out on the ships, coming home and understanding the blessings that HaKadosh Baruch gave us and now feeling that responsibility to take care of these sachers. Yisachar has to, for his part, try to not need the gashmias, the materialism, and all of the taivas v'ayil mazeh, stay in the base medrash and give it your all, give up your menucha, and appreciate the contributions that Zvulun is making to you. And together, Yisachar and Zvulun have this eternal relationship, not just in this world, but in the next world. There's a story which we'll end with, Rav Chaim Velazhner, who was one of the people that really was a major proponent of Yisachar Zvulun. You could find shtaris that were signed by Rav Chaim Velazhner. And he was the one, I believe, that wrote the classic nusach of this shtar, that this agreement between Yisachar and Zvulun. There was a balabayas in town that was a real Zavolon, he made money and he supported Tyra generously and Reb Chaim and then he was Nifter and Reb Chaim, the story goes, was sitting and he was learning a, a very schwer Rashba, I think it was, I don't know but he was learning a very difficult suga and he was not able to chap it that night he dozed off over his Gemara and this Balabayas came to him in a dream this Balabayas that was very Pashta Yid, he was a simple Yid, he wasn't a Tamachacham at all. He was, he was working his whole life, he was schwitzing his whole life, he was making money, supporting yeshivas, but he was not conversing, you wouldn't be able to give a shir, a dafyami shir even. And he was able to farem for this Rashba for Reb Chaim, like a day after he was Nifter. And Reb Chaim used to say, I'm the spoil. He says, not that I'm the spoil that that he, he got the Torah that he was supporting because I've been always, I've been preaching this. That's, this is what I preach, that, if, that the, the Zvolen and Zeicha to get the Torah that he supported Yisachar to learn. They're partners in the Torah because you go up to Shemaim, you're going to be at Hamar Chacham because otherwise it's Gehenim to be able to, to sit by in a, in a base Medish and everybody else is, is, is knowing the Sugya and, and talking and screaming and learning. You're just sitting there like a, like, you know, like a wallflower without anything uh, to contribute. That's Gehenim. So you actually know the Torah. You know the Kivegers. You're, you're a buck in Shas like the people that you were supporting. He says, the Chiddush to me is that it happens so quickly. That he dies and like Mamish, like within three minutes, he's already Kivegers. That was a pallet to me. But that's how it works. It's an eternal bond. It's not just in this world. You're giving up a lot of money, but you're getting a lot, and that, and that has tremendous ramifications. But you have to understand, like any good partnership, partnerships only work if you understand what your role in the partnership is. If I think that my role is your role, and you think your role is my role, the partnership is going to fail. Partners have to know what their individual strengths are in anything, in a law firm, in a, in, a, in, a, you know, in a business, whatever it is. I have to know I'm good at this, and you're good at that. I'm going to focus on this, you're going to focus on that. The second that, if I'm good at marketing, and you're good at sales, so then you do sales and I do marketing. The second that I think I could do sales, and the second you think you're, going to, you're the expert in marketing, the whole thought that we're going to go bankrupt. I have to know what I'm good at, and I have to do and focus 
solely on what I'm doing, what, what I'm good at, my expertise. You have to focus on your expertise. Yisachar has to know what he's supposed to be doing and what he's good at, and just folk, don't worry about the business. Let the Zvolen take care of the business. And Zvolen has to just work on the business and not poke his nose into what's going on in the base medrash. I think he should be learning this instead of that. No, no, no. That's, leave that to the Yisachar. And together, this partnership is, 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 is tremendously powerful in this world, and it's, of course, super powerful in the next world. But these are the Birchas Yaakov to Yisachar, to Zvulun, and Mitzvah Hashem, we should be Zeicha, to be very, very good Yisachars or very, very good Zvuluns. Ken Yiratzen.